9 o'clock. Thanks for joining us on this Monday. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. You know the drill pile. It's Monday. The good, the bad, the ugly. We're moved into the new house, but there's still like all these mm-hmm. little plumbing issues and stuff. It's just, it's been ugly. It's been bad. It's not been, it's not been horrible. It's not been anything, you know, knock on wood. It's like the the ceiling uh, hasn't collapsed or, you know, something horrific like that. Right. It's just been, oh, there's a problem with this. Oh, there's a little problem with that. And it's just been one of those things. But we're moved in. We love the house. Love the neighborhood. It's going to be great. So that's the positive Mm -hmm. thing about it. The ugly. Mavericks losing to Colorado School of Mines. Just not a great effort by the Maverick men's basketball team. We'll talk right. with Mike DeGeorge coming up tomorrow on Mav Day, and we'll bring you some of the interview uh, that Paxton Ritchie did after the game on Friday night after the loss to Mines. Mavericks get a fifth seed. Fort Lewis really gets shafted, though. Yeah, they do. Number one number one team in the region going into the weekend. All they do is they, they win the RMAC tournament. Right. They don't even lose. <laughs> and they get jumped by West Texas A&M. And so West Texas A&M will be hosting the regional, the South Central Region yeah, Basketball that's Tournament. that's some bull. That's it, some bull. It's... You know what it sounds like? It's not fair to make them travel. It's only fair to make the Western Slope travel. So we don't have times yet, but it'll start on Saturday. And for the Maverick men, they'll get Angelo State. Angelo State, they're 25-6. and six. They got to the finals of the Lone Star Conference Tournament where they lost by one point to West Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the Rams had the second best regular season record in the Lone Star at 19-3. And, and they were the number three tournament seed because the Lone Star requires the top two seeds to go to its two division winners. And so for Angelo State, well, I said that's who the Mavericks will open up with. They've had uh, Keon Godwin, who's led the way this year, about uh, almost 17 points per game. Roger Quezada at uh, just around 10 points per game, actually close to 11 points per game. So Angelo State with a couple of uh, pretty good scores in, in those two players. And then, I mean, you look back for the Mavericks, I mean, this this just a missed... Unfortunately for Mike DeGeorge and his team, a missed opportunity. Yeah, to have the chance to have you know if you if you win it, you hope you pro- probably end up hosting. I don't know. You'd like to think, right? I don't know. But then, the way, but then the maybe team not. That wanted didn't host, and they you know, were ranked maybe above not. the Mavs. Then maybe not. I don't. They were they were because they were third in the rankings, which I I couldn't. I it's like why are they third? They have a win over Fort Lewis mm-hmm. at Fort Lewis at Fort Lewis. By the way, and then you got West Texas A and M that. The one by one point won mm-hmm. the Lone Star Conference title, and uh, Julius Brown's been averaging just under seventeen points per game for them. Larry Wise at just about fifteen points per basketball game. So those two have been their 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 go to guys as far as uh, in regard to scoring the basketball. And so, remember West Texas A and M against against the Mavericks last year. So I believe uh, 
that was a, they had a win over the Mavericks. It was early on last year when it was the the crossover, mm-hmm. and then um, and, and then I believe it's a Mesa. I'm trying to look here and see if the Mavericks did not play them in the regional last year because they lost to Black Hill State. West Texas A and M did. So that's back last year. Mavericks did play the Buffaloes last season early on to start out the season uh, with and Buffaloes with that seventy-two to sixty-three victory in the first game of the season for them last year. So they're hosting the regional. Black Hill State is into the regional with uh, Joel Scott, who's a tremendous player. Colorado School of Mines. They're uh, also in the field after knocking off the Mavericks in the semifinals. And so for the Mavericks. They've got they've got a good record against the teams that are in the field. Mm-hmm. But it's a four and two mark. Um, aside from the the one and two record against Mines, they're three and zero oh against the rest of the regional field because they beat Fort Lewis, Black Hill State, Texas A and M, Kingsville during during the season. So they've had success against the other teams that are playing in this regional tournament. So after the game on Friday night. Baxter Rich had the chance to talk with Mike DeGeorge. Obviously, Mike disappointed in seeing his team lose in the RMAC tournament semifinals. Here's Baxter Richie with Mike DeGeorge after a disappointing loss to the Ordiggers. Mike DeGeorge, coach, obviously not the outcome you wanted today, but it seemed like a battle between good, two great defensive teams. Yeah, I was really proud of our defensive effort, you know, and then you got to give Mines a lot of credit. They really executed their game plan, and they really just aren't guarding so many guys, and you know, when we have Isaac Jessup, it shifts the balance of shooters, uh, uh, shot first guys. It makes it really hard to do that. And you saw that in our last game with them. Our first game with them, we weren't, you know, uh, executing well enough. And there's this game plan of just loading the paint against us. It was very effective. And it was effective again tonight. So, you know, we have a lot of shooting off the bench, and we just didn't get that production tonight. But for us to advance in the NCAA tournament, we're going to need more shooting. And so hopefully we can get Isaac healthy. Hopefully those guys off the bench can, uh, we can create some advantages, get them better looks, and they can knock down shots when they get them. Yeah, you mentioned the NCAA tournament. I know you've been focused on this one, but I also know you're a guy who keeps track of everything that's going on. So looking ahead to Selection Sunday, how do you feel about where this team's at? Well, I feel good about this team. We've had a great year, and I know we can do just what we did last year when we get a chance to regroup, losing in the semifinals, and just come out and make a really strong effort. It's a little funky right now. There's a lot of politics going on with the seating, and the teams are all so close. It's totally out of our control. Uh, but, you know, we'll be going on the road, and we'll get an opportunity, and we got to be ready to take advantage of it. Coach, appreciate the time. We'll send it back up top. All right, so there's Paxton Ritchie with Mike DeGeorge after Friday night's loss to the Cubs School of Mines Ordiggers. And Mike was right, it was funky. Mm-hmm. How does Fort Lewis not end up with the number one? spot and and get to host the South Central. How are they not the top ranked team in the Central anyway? Well, going to the weekend, they were the number one team. Oh, I thought they were second. Uh, you, but no, they're, you're right. You're absolutely they got, right. You know, West Texas A&M jumped over they, them. How did they jump them? They, what what did they do to jump them? They needed a <laughs> buzzer beater to win. Yeah, Zach Toussaint hits the, the jump shot that gives West Texas A&M the win. And in the in the Lone Star Conference Championship game, Skyhawks won the Armac Tournament Championship. I, yeah. How how did 
I'd, I'd, I'd love and to do it. They beat two of the three teams that are in that are with them in the South Central Regional. Mike was right when he said there was. Mike was very diplomatic about how he phrased it. Some funky things or mm-hmm. weird things going on. How, yeah, how does West Texas A&M jump Fort Lewis? Uh, particularly no when, Fort, when, when Fort Lewis was the number one team going into the weekend. I, I don't get that. So here's what it looks like in terms of the tournament. That West Texas, the, the host team, will take on eight-seeded Texas A&M Kingsville in the first round. Fort Lewis, they do the two-seed. They'll get Lubbock Christian, the seventh seed. Colorado School of Mines earned the third seed. And they take on six seed of Black Hill State. Angelo State, Colorado Mesa meet. They're the four and five. And uh, starts on Saturday, by the way, with the four games on Sunday semifinals. And then uh, regional championship game takes place on Tuesday. Remember last year, Mavericks lost to Black Hill State in the championship game mm-hmm. to go on to the uh, the Elite Eight of the uh, NCAA Division II men's basketball tournament so hopefully the Mavericks can rekindle some of that uh, success from last year in the regional tournament and go even beyond with uh, maybe advancing to the D2 national tournament in Columbus uh, Ohio all right so text or calls 970-242-1340 yeah I just I'm just maybe's got some thoughts on that how does that happen not not that we're big Fort Lewis supporters because we're not no but they earned it let's give let's give Fort Lewis they're just Dessert or just do, I should say. They're they desserts. lost three games this season to Colorado School of Mines in the South Central Regional, Colorado Mesa in the South Central Regional, and then Westminster in Salt Lake. Yeah. How do they not get in? I, or I mean, how do they not host? I should say they're in, but how yeah. do they not host? How do they not host? What did West Texas A&M do? That was more impressive to get them the top spot in the region. They lost by 16 to the number one team in the nation to start the season. Directional, double directional Missouri State University, Northwest. Uh, They lost at Florida Southern. So they went 0-2 in the Hall of Fame Classic. Classic. Uh, And then uh, they went 0-2 in the Holiday Hoops Classic. Losing to uh, a 7th ranked Missouri St. Louis and 21st ranked Dominican. They lost at Angelo State, so there's five. They lost at Midwestern State, six, and then won their conference tournament. So, I don't know. Does that resume stack up? Does losing two ranked teams really really do anything, even if you when, did lose by a combined three points at the Holiday Hoops Classic? I, I just... I feel like the, the the resume for Fort Lewis is it's a better resume. They're the number one team. Mm-hmm. They did what they had to do. They won the RMAC tournament on That's the road. That's the thing. If you want to put Fort Lewis second, and then they win their conference, the West Texas A&M's number one, and they win their conference, then okay, fine. Can we look at that and be like, mm, yeah, sure. But if they're going to be first right up until you realize that you're going to have to go to Durango, and you move them second. That's some BS. I, I just don't. Yeah, I'm just sitting there looking at how does how do you justify that? <laughs> I just 
everything's bigger in Texas, even the screw jobs. And apparently, yeah. Well, we not the first time with uh, some of this. Mm-hmm. The, I'm surprised they even jumped them from second and put Fort Lewis as the second seed. I was waiting for them to jump all the other West or the LSC teams up there. Like Lubbock Christian second. Yeah. Let's put Oklahoma Christian in there just Brand. for fun. Just they're for not the, very good. Just for the heck of it. Yeah, Midwestern State wasn't great, but let's throw them in there too because they're a Lone Star team. All right, I I do need to acknowledge a text. You can't have multiple stars if it's a Lone uh, Star. That we don't want we don't want to leave out our friends up in the. Uh, the northwest corner of oh, yes. our side of the hill. The Rangeley girls basketball team, 19-4. and four, mm-hmm. Went 8-0 in the, the 2A-1A Western Slope League. Uh, moving on to the next round. Move uh, So the grade 8. Yeah, go get them. 52-45 win over Akron. And now they get Sedgwick County coming up on Thursday. So I appreciate the text who, who sent that in. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to uh, Rangeley. Even LeBron couldn't help that Akron team. <laughs> Being Apparently. from Akron, apparently not. It's a different Akron, but we we won't talk about that. So they get what Sedgwick County coming up? Correct, Sedgwick County coming yep. up on Thursday. Uh let's see. Got a uh, text from AJ that actually came in over the weekend. So these new rules for MLB seems like it's going to make longtime baseball fans mad and further erode the fans they may have left. Is this the beginning of the end? As a lifelong baseball fan, it's hard to sit and watch four hours, but you can't mess with the integrity of the game. This kind of feels that way. You and I are both longtime diehard baseball fans. Do you feel... I haven't got the sense you feel like AJ does on this. There are certain things you have not liked, Mm -hmm. but there are also certain things that you've come around on. Messing with the integrity of the game is putting a runner at second in the 10th inning just because well, no team could figure it out in nine innings how to beat the other team. So let's give everybody extra base runners. I say they should go one step further if they're going to do this. If you can't get it through 10, go second and third in the 11th, bases loaded in the 12th, and then the home team just wins if you're still tied <laughs> after 12. Let's just do that. Anyway. Obviously, you're not crazy about that no. still. The pitch clock, I, it's this, the game is taking too long. You cannot both cry out that just get in the box and swing and this pitch clock is ruining. And I'm not saying AJ is this, but there have been some. But he does make the reference. I don't want to watch a game that goes four hours, yeah, but I don't want to, to see this. watch four hours, but you can't mess with the integrity of the game. But you can make it move a little smoother. You can kind of pick up the pace here and there, right? If you, you can, know, if you can get guys to understand just without, without there being a pitch clock yeah. and without there being rules. Hey, get in the box. Let's pitter-patter. Let's it's get Labor at Labor Day weekend. On, on, on the mound. Let's go. It's Labor Day weekend. You're hitting 221. you got 140 strikeouts. Your batting gloves aren't the problem. Get in the no. box. Let's go. <laughs> You're going to not hit it anyway. Let's get this at-bat over with. Sooner. I don't think how many – it doesn't matter how many times you adjust your batting gloves. Right. Or look down to get the sign again mm-hmm. from the third base coach. Get, get in the box and let's go. Rafael Betancourt, you have two pitches. You have a fastball and a fastball that's not as fast as the fastball that players can hit better. Why are you taking so long to throw it? Like, what are you doing here? Like, you got to get comfortable on the mound. Like, should maybe get some looser drawers. Maybe one extra X on the jersey if it's too tight and you're tugging at the sleeves. You got to 
tug two in this one, two on that, that one, sucks. and then pull the hat down and get the uh, let's go here. If you're that superstitious, go back inside and turn into an agora. So, AJ, I, I understand you're concerned about the integrity of the game. But you like you also can't complain about a game going for four hours mm-hmm. unless some things change, which Major League Baseball has attempted to do that with the pitch clock, with limiting the amount of times you can get out of the box. And if you're upset that the game is moving too crisply or it's going too smoothly and there's not as many stops in play, then... I really don't know what to tell you. Yeah, I go watch golf. <laughs> can't have it both ways. You can't. Yeah, you, you, you something has to influence the pace mm-hmm. of the game, and that means rule changes, which are uh, definitely something that, that that takes getting used to. I understand that. And it was fun for baseball. It's the one game without a clock. That's fine when games were still ending under three hours. I don't need a nine-inning game that goes four and a half hours. And if it's, if that's strictly because every hitter saw seven pitches every at-bat because they're fouling off two and whatever, and there's a million runs Guys scored, are grinding, they're competing. Fine. And- but when you have, like, Garrett Cole goes eight, strrikes out 14, and the game still lasts four hours? <laughs> there's something wrong like, with that. What are we that? doing here? We, we got stuff to do. For lack of a better term. Two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Three hours for a baseball game. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's like, Well, football's getting longer. No one cares about that. Because there's stuff happening. There's not a whole lot going on with the... All right, like, like step up. Oh, oh, runner got back. Dang. Okay, let's go through this whole 45-second yeah. Raphael Betancourt human rain to Lake. Get in the box, Hargrove. Let's go. <laughs> let's Let's go. No mock. Get in the box. Right. Let's go. I love baseball. I also love not having to spend five hours outside to watch baseball. It really hasn't bothered me, to be honest. The pitch clock hasn't. Mm-hmm. I've watched some. We've been busy with the move, so I haven't had a chance to really sit and watch lots and lots and lots of baseball. Right. Watch some. What I've watched, games move along at a crisper pace. Mm-hmm. And, now and, I, me, and I appreciate that. What's left to fix about baseball is get some Juco kids to throw some strikes. That's all. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, we're going to pull this kid. We're going to bring in this new kid, and he walks the bases loaded. We're going to be here all night. Just throw some strikes. That's all. The The shift rules, eh. the timeout rule, the throw over, and you got to record it out. That one's still a little like, yeah, I'm that with might you on be that. tweaked. You know, because I'm not as opposed to the rudder at second as you, but I I understand why yeah. you're not crazy about it. I get it. I just, you know, the shift rule, I, I accept that one, if not wholeheartedly, because, well, we can't teach the players how to hit to all fields anymore, so let's create a rule so they don't have to. That one feels a little weird to me, right? It's like, we can't teach this left hand or this left-handed hitter refuses to try to put just put the ball in play the other way and I know a lot of it has to do with the contracts because you're not as a left-handed hitter you're going to get way more money for 10 home runs to right field than you will 50 hits to left field 
You're going to get way more money for that. So I understand to an extent, but also it's like, just, you, you got a bat, hit the ball that way. I know it's harder than that, but for some of these guys, it's just throw the bat at it. Something good could happen. No, we got to change the rules. Because they can only stay on the dirt. Well, what happens if they, it's like Tampa, and they don't have infield dirt all over the place. Or you know, and, and my thing about the shift is I'm, I'm, I'm fine limiting it. That you mm-hmm. you can't use it every every single inning, maybe every single pitch, every single pitch. You there's got to, you can be limited, and I think that's yeah. that would have been a fair approach to it, which is also something else. Uh, an umpiring crew has to to manage and watch, and it puts it's more work on on their shoulders to which which is already their questions at times about yeah how how good of a job they do. I think if you're gonna try to limit it, you they kind of did the best they could. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, how how can we do this without having to have four guys watch ten guys every single pitch, right? Well, you know what? You got to keep your feet on the dirt. You can two on each side of second base. Simple as that. Simple as that. And like I said, I accept it even if it's not my favorite rule change. Love the pitch clock, though. I do. I've That, that to me, is my favorite mm-hmm. But my favorite rule because it impacts yep. the game most most directly. Let's make it happen, hitter, Captain, and, Let's get going. Yeah, in in terms of the hitter and and the yep. pitcher. All right, nine twenty one. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. And before we take a break, I want to let you know about Bracket Palooza. It's back. Bracket Palooza. It's going to be a lot of fun. Join us for the annual Bracket Palooza party, powered by Ed Bozarth, Mark Miller, Chevrolet Buick, the most trusted name in automobiles. It's coming up Tuesday, March fourteenth, when we have the first four from five thirty until seven thirty. Warehouse twenty five sixty five. Print and bring your online bracket to earn extra points. Pick your favorite announcer bracket, and we're going to have fun and giveaways. Sh- uh, earn extra bonus points. Show up at 530, you get 10 extra bonus points. Show up at 6, you get 8. Show up at 630, you get 6. And show up at 7, you get 4 bonus points. Get all the details at theteam1340.com. Looking forward to another great time at Warehouse for Bracket Palooza coming up March 14th. And, of course, catch all the action of March Madness right here on the Team Sports Network. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Text or call us today. The good, the bad, the ugly. I believe Dylan's got one. We'll get to that in just a moment on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. I'm a big sports addict. I like sports. 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 This is the Jim Davis Show on the Team. 101 FM, 1340 AM, Grand Junction. 102.1 FM, Delta Montrose. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Jim and the Buckeye Boy today. Monday, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we got uh, one from Dylan today on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. 970-242-1340. Let's see, Dylan, what he has with his good, the bad, the ugly. The good, the nuggets, the bad, the abs defensively, and the ugly. John Morant. Can't be doing that, man. Agreed on all three of those things. Yeah. All right. So time to talk a little Rockies. Rockies lost to the Cubs six to five yesterday at uh, Salt River Fields. And so uh, Chris Bryant hits his third home run of spring training. Great. Well, now we only get two during the regular <laughs> season. This is super. Austin Gomber had a horrible, horrible start in his first spring training uh-huh. outing. Yesterday was was quite a bit better for for Austin Gomber. As uh, Gomber went out and 
and uh, delivered a, a fairly respectable performance. Uh, went three innings with one run on three hits with a walk and three strikeouts. So the Rockies have added a couple of veteran players. <laughs> you say that again. Oh, sorry, that was mean. Lucas Gilbraith, who has become a part of the Rockies' bullpen here the last uh, season or so, mm-hmm. is going to undergo Tommy John surgery after he re-aggravated an elbow injury in spring training. So the Rockies go out and get left-handed pitcher Brad Hand, one-time Aloha, member Hand. of your uh, the artist formerly known as the Tribe, right? Yes. Uh, pitched last year in the World Series for Philadelphia. So 32 years old, three-time All-Star, agreed to a $2 million deal, according to uh, the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal. Has another $1 million bonus available if Hand is still with the Rockies organization on opening day. So Brad Hand was also in the Division at one point with the Padres, mm-hmm. so he knows the National League West a little bit. And so Hand pitched fairly well last year for Philadelphia on a one-year $6 million deal. He went three and two with five saves and a 2.80 ERA. Left-handers hit just 217 against him. Righties hit 226. Yeah, he's a good left-handed pitcher. Uh, in three years in San Diego, ERA sub three. Three years in Cleveland, ERA sub three. Last year with the Phillies, ERA was sub three. Sub three in New York for the first half of 21 before he got traded. And then, you know, a career ERA of 362. Not going to really overpower dudes. I mean, he's got 700 and some strikeouts over, what is it, 500 appearances. So, I mean, you're not going to get a guy that's going to go out there and mow down the side three up, three down with nine strikes. But he's three-time all-star. He's a good little pitcher guy or a good guy to have out of the bullpen. He's kind of right in that C.J. Crone slash the other guy they picked up, which we're going to talk about in a minute, slash kind of Daniel Bard. They're over 30. They got experience. Does he want to win a World Series? Yes. Is he also Colorado? Was he also available after not re-signing with a team that just lost the World Series? Also, yes. So there's a little bit of both with Brad Hand there. So, yes, there's there's some good things about him. Mentioned three-time All-Star. This guy's a good, would be, a, I think, a good fit in their bullpen. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to expect the Brad Hand of, what, five years ago? Yeah, you're, you're not going to get You're it. not going to get that guy. Speaking of a guy that's not the same guy that he was five years ago, that's Mike Moustakis. Mm-hmm. The moose. The moose has. We already him. have one in Denver. We don't need moose. Well, this is this is the original moose. Oh, okay. As Mike Mustak has signed a minor league deal, he's thirty-four, and with Brendan Rodgers most likely out for the season with the shoulder injury, out again, and Ryan McMahon moving from third to second, which makes a lot of sense. That uh, Mustakis fills a need, third base, first base, can play either corner and field position, can DH as well. And El Harris uh, Montero, you know, he's a guy they think will will probably play some third. Yeah. If he doesn't get it done, Ellerice, excuse me, I think I called it Ellerice Montero. Yeah. Um, I, I need some help too, so I. That's okay. Big E, that's what I call him. But. Um, you know, if he struggles, then you need a veteran guy that can, can fill that void. And Moustakis is that guy. He's had two years of injuries. Mm-hmm. And so he's a, it's a possibility that 
you know, it's it's really it's okay. This is a rare time to say, probably pretty good move by the Rockies. Veteran guy, you know, one time All Star. The investment's not not big. Same He's with Brad Hand. Yeah, exactly. CJ Crone. It's very low risk, very high reward for Mike Mustakis. He's again another three time All Star. He said he can play both corner positions. Early on, when he was with Kansas City, most notably because he would play 140, 150 games. You know, 15, 20 error a guy season, but... Won a World Series with the Royals. Won a World Series with the Royals in 15, which seems like forever ago. Um, Went to another one. They lost with Mad Bump coming out of the bullpen on like nine minutes rest and threw four innings or whatever it felt like. So he's a guy that's kind of been to the mountaintop. He's got his ring now. It's been the last few years with Cincinnati where... Numbers aren't great, 208, 214. I mean, he's not going to be Tony Gwynn or anything like that, but if you can get 10, 15 home runs, 40, 50 RBI out of him, yes, probably turned out to be a good season for Mike Moustakis. Yeah, played for the Royals, the Brewers, and the Reds from 2015 to 2020. During that period, had a slash line of 262, 326, 490 with 138 home runs. But Last time was Cincinnati, where he had the heel problem and a calf strain over the last two years. The slash line wasn't very good. 212, 289, 356, which is 13 home runs. Yeah, he he played 184 of a possible, I don't even know the math, 480 games. He only played 184 games across three seasons. That's that's Chris Bryant level. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Says he's healthy now, which so. I hope so, you know. But it's a guy that if you have other options, you can also stick him at DH. If CJ Crone wants to, you know, feel a little squirrely and wants to play some first base, you can stick Mike Mustakas in the DH. But I mean, he's got to hit better than two fourteen. <laughs> it, it can't be much worse. But he's got to he's got to produce right, or else this is just going to be you know throwing good money after bad. Yeah, it's from everything I I, I, I see on this, it's it's a fairly low risk. Deal for Moustakis. Mm-hmm. What, is a minor um, league deal, invite yeah, to camp type thing? If he makes the Rockies roster, uh, the Rockies will owe him the major league minimum. Reds are on the hook for the $22 million salary he's owed after he signed a four-year, $64 million deal with the Reds prior to the 2020 season. So, well, that's a hell of a deal. How a, did Dick Monfort work that out? Bill Schmidt do that. Dang. That's a, that makes sense. That's a smart, that's a smart move. That was a savvy investment. <laughs> That's funny. Words we Man. seldom use when it yeah. we come to talk about when it comes to talk about Mike the Rockies. Stockis is going to make twenty seven million dollars this year. What? Rockies are going to pay him six hundred grand. Oh, okay. That's okay, all that's all right then. Can we find somebody to do that with Chris Bryant. Didn't we trade Mike Hampton to the Marlins and they picked up most of his money I to believe, send him to the Mets or whatever? I believe so. Yeah, it was there just long enough for the check to clear. <laughs> Yeah, I said you got, you got to love this if you're the Rockies. Yeah. Savvy move, you know. It's like the Brock Osweiler trade. They pay you seventeen million dollars to take him off our hands. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 why the Reds are where the Reds are. Yeah, and typically the Rockies, the ones right, like the the Nolan Arenado trade. Mm-hmm. Hey, Riddick, sends you our best player, one of our all-time franchise greats, and, and 50, pay you fifty and fifty million, 50 million dollars for the pleasure. Yeah. Of the pain that's going to inflict on the fan base. I feel bad for Joey Votto. What's going to hurt worse, his rotator cuff rehab or the fact that 
They're going to suck. They're just going to suck. They won 62 games last year, and I don't think they got any better. Come on, Oakland. Be worst team in the league. So you don't have to, so the Reds don't have to look it around and be like, "Wow." I did or the Nats when I was uh, doing stuff this weekend. I did hear somebody on CBS Sports Radio talking about the A's and their potential move to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. That um, apparently things are not going great when it comes to the uh, downtown stadium situation in Oakland. And that it's a stadium they've been trying to get built for twenty years. Right, it feels like, and that it's looking more and more like the Oakland A's could be moving to Las Vegas. That um, this is an article from a couple days ago. That um, Las Vegas has been home to go to a Triple A team since nineteen eighty three, and that team happens to be the Oakland A's affiliate. Yeah, it was the Dodgers for a long time. Now it's the A's. The city also played host to the A's and the Reds for a two-game spring training series at the Las Vegas Ballpark. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's looking more and more like that they're probably going to end up yeah. moving. There's one and a half professional football teams there. They yeah. have an NHL team. So why not? Somebody They're going to get an NBA team at some basketball point. basketball expands, they, they're they, definitely they, getting... Yeah, they have the Aces. Yeah. The women's team. Uh champ Becky Hammond. Yeah, Becky right? Hammond. Uh it's only a matter of time before the A's move to Las Vegas. The thing I wonder though is how are they gonna divvy up like the rights? Because Vegas is like a blackout area for the Dodgers and the Angels, I think, too. That's my question. I think that may be the holdup is how they divvy up the local rights, because that's a huge thing in baseball. But Remember the Washington, the Nationals, and the Orioles fought over that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's it's only a matter of, I don't think they're getting a stadium done in Oakland. The best bet for them right now is to just knock down where the Warriors used to play and build a, one right there, but they don't want to stay there. Because nobody else needs the Coliseum anymore. You don't need Mount Davis because they're in Vegas too. Everybody from that complex has left. The Warriors play in San Francisco. Raiders are in Vegas. Might as well, you know, knock down the basketball arena and build a smaller baseball stadium. And they have a little bit of a history playing in Vegas. Mm-hmm. 96, they played their first six games at Cashman Field when the Oakland Coliseum was yeah. uh, undergoing renovation. They're going to need a lid, though, if they play yeah. all year. It gets hot during the day. It doesn't get much cooler at night. It cools down to like ninety seven or whatever. And 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 looking part of it, well, they want to move to a waterfront site in Oakland. That's where they want to build a new stadium. And a lot of the issue from remembering what I've read previously on it comes down to how much the city of Oakland mm-hmm. is going to put into this. And because they've said, wait a minute, you get you, you guys want to move here? You want to move to the waterfront? Right. You know, there's certain concessions we'll make, but we're. We're not going to foot the majority of the bill for you guys to do this. I thought the Coliseum site was kind of waterfront-ish. I can't. I never having I, been I, there. I've never been there either, so I can't. I can't so. say where it is. Come on, Google Maps. Don't fail yeah. me now. So it's looking more and more like could see the A's in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. which they have a history of moving from Philadelphia to Kansas City to Oakland. 
Yeah, it's I mean, it's not waterfront, but it's ish. It's right by the port business center and the airport. So, but they just, they need to get out of that building no matter where they go. That building's just a dog. And it's, like I said, it's starting to look more like it's probably going to be Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. And, and in terms of like their, their attendance has been terrible. A lot of it's been fans has been their protest yeah. of how the team's been operated. And and so fans have stayed away because of that. But well, also, there's some years they're accidentally competitive. Well, remember Moneyball, of course. Yeah, Billy Bean. And, well, I mean, recently. Yeah, and I, recently, they've but, been yeah. in the playoffs five, three times the last five years. But fans are unhappy with with how things are going right now. They're yeah. staying away. Their their attendance is like eleven, twelve thousand. It's it's not particularly good. They have not cleared two. They've cleared two million once since two thousand and six, and those and those are years they went to the playoffs mm-hmm. that, that you referenced. Yeah, they they've been to the playoffs twelve, thirteen, fourteen, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, and they cleared <laughs> two million fans once. I I don't think the solutions always go to Las Vegas, and I and I feel bad for the people in the Oakland area because they've lost the Raiders. Golden State moved across, across the to bay, Sa- yeah. to bay to San Francisco. And, and now it looks like they're going to most likely lose the Oakland A's hey, as well. you got the Sharks. Kind of, yeah, right sort there. Of. Yeah. And look, they've looked into moving to San Jose, too. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think San Jose doesn't really want to deal with stadium and no. the whole thing. Because the Giants kicked that around for a while, too, at one yeah. point. Of, of Niners there. too, they kind of yeah. San Jose ish, but I remember we're gonna play Throwback Thursday on a Monday mm-hmm. when it was at uh, the cable magnet. Bill Daniels was going to buy the San Francisco Giants and move them. This is when I was in college and move them to Denver. That was the big story of the Denver Post for like a week, and then it didn't happen. He didn't buy no. them, and obviously they didn't end up there. So, all right, nine forty one. Jim along with the Buckeye boy. And it's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, go back to 1976. Dorothy Hamill wins the World Figure Skating Championships in Sweden. 1988, Julie Crone becomes the winningest female jockey in history. 2010, Nick Smith's all 18 attempts and most futile three-point shooting night in league history. Devin Harris scored 31 points. New Jersey raced a 16-point deficit to beat the Knicks, 113-93. to 93. The Knicks missed all 18 three attempts. So worst shooting night from three-point range in league history. That sounds like the Knicks. <laughs> sounds like the Knicks. 2011, Lindsey Vaughn clinches their third discipline title in three days. 2014, the Clippers route the L.A. Lakers 142-94. to 94. Remember when they had Chris Paul and Blake Griffin? Remember oh how they're yeah, gonna, they're gonna they're gonna be a dynasty super team. One nothing. One absolutely nothing. 2015, Syracuse coach Jim Beheim suspended nine games for violating certain program uh, for program violations. So he got suspended. All right, 9:42. How big would they be for Syracuse to suspend Jim Beheim? That'd be pretty big. How massive were those rules that he broke, or the breaking of the rules? This is not like he parked in the football coach's spot. 
We're suspending him, Nike. Or like Greg Brandon at Mines. And, yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I, wait, we're supposed to have this office. At, at Syracuse, they would have lost it to the broadcasting school dean or something. He would have lost the fight there. All the radio people come through Syracuse. Let's see. I'm trying to see what. I don't remember if it ever came out, the rules that he broke. It might have been like a recruiting thing. I, I could know. probably be a recruiting thing. They also, Jim Beheim got suspended. Let's see. His son got suspended. Buddy got suspended. Oh, yeah. After Old punching buddy. Florida State's Wyatt Wilkes. Mm-hmm. And then Jim Beheim, let's see. But yeah, Buddy got suspended. Jim Beheim scolded the ACC for issuing a one-game suspension. So he didn't get suspended, but Buddy did. Yeah, little Buddy. Oh, so the NCAA suspended Beheim, not Syracuse. That's why. Okay. That's so that transgressions a little lower on the total. I thought Syracuse suspended. I'm like, how how big of the rules have to be for him to break as NCAA? Yeah. Uh, because of a multi-year investigation into the university's athletic programs. They had to vacate 100 wins from that investigation. You forget about that. Bayheim's yeah. still doing his thing at Syracuse. All right, 944. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network online at theteam1340.com. Yeah, I think they're like the best on the radio. At least at the pro level, the best of the best. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 947. Jim and the Buckeye Boy. Don't forget tonight, Nuggets take on Toronto. Pre-game at 630 on the team. Uh, let's see uh, from Paul this morning. Oakland's a dumpster fire. They gone. Oh, yeah. Let's they get see. the plural version of the hawk. Be gone. Because they're not very good. Let's see. For Butchie, what a great thing for the West Slope to be sending multiple teams to the basketball final four. Good luck, Glenwood and Durango. Agree with that? Yeah. Rangely hey. moving on. Rangely girls. Plateau Valley boys. Glenwood well. hockey. Glenwood hockey. Went to the three uh, players from Fruit Monument yep. on that team as well. All right, uh, let's go ahead and open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. Well, we now know that it is official. Derek Carr is going to the Saints because Derek Mm -hmm. Carr has put out the hype video on his Twitter feed. It's of the Honey Badger. Tyron Matthew pumping up the fans at the Caesar Superdome. Carr captioned the clip, who dat? So Derek Carr, according to all reports, now a member of the New Orleans Saints. You, uh, you know what that means for Jameis Williams, Jameis Winston, and his $12.8 million? He gone. Yep, he's gone. Yeah, he gone. Uh, I mentioned the junior college baseball poll is out. The first poll, the second one is released, I believe, tomorrow or later today. But uh, Central Florida, number one team in the nation, two through five, Walter State, McLennan with a new head coach, defending champ Central Arizona, your preseason number one, and Iowa Western with a new head coach. Uh, Bottom half of the top ten, Crowder, San Jacinto Ravens, which is weird, Santa Fe, Fe, easy for me to say. Santa Uh, Bobby Flay? Yeah. Our our friends uh, Flodar 
at Florence Darlington, and then Wabash Valley, also new head coach at number 10. Very good. All right, I saw this this past weekend when I had a couple minutes to do a little reading mm-hmm. about how this week could be a really big week for the Pac-12 because uh, it's the Pac-12 basketball tournament this week. Yeah. George uh, Klevikov, the commissioner of the Pac-12, will uh, be in Las Vegas for the tournament. There will be ADs there anxiously waiting to hear what's going on with the TV deal. Because it's been five months now where Klevikov has been out shopping around the Pac-12 media rights. And you know, there's been a lot of talk about Apple TV. I mean, going back to when Larry Scott was the the president of uh, the commissioner, I should say, of the Pac-12, that Apple would pr- perhaps be involved in, in the Pac-12 and streaming games. So we're going to find out this week because there's a report over the weekend from the Athletic that Brett Normark, who is you know who's the commissioner of the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. remember he made that you know clear a while back. We're open for business. Yeah, and that there was some talk that both the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado, have been in contact with Normark and his staff about the possibility of maybe leaving and going to the Big Twelve. According to the the report that I was reading over the weekend, that Klevikov, when he meets with the ads at the basketball tournament this week in Vegas, better give them some good news because there's those schools reportedly, if they don't hear the media rights from that thirty one million dollar a year range that others are getting, they all four of those schools could very well make their decision to go to the Big Twelve, and it it could be those schools leaving before Oregon. And Washington do. And look, if those schools go, do you think Oregon and Washington, they're going to stick around to see if who they plug the holes with, if it's San Diego State or SMU or Boise State or whoever? Nope. They're going to be gone. Yeah. And they'll have lots of interested parties wanting Washington and Oregon in their conference. Yeah. Normark's made it very clear. He wants to expand the Big 12 footprint west. And... You're going to have BYU in coming mm-hmm. up next season, I believe. And so they're going to have a little bit of a, you know, a, a you know, toehold. A little toehold in, in in the mountain region with BYU. Mm-hmm. But imagine that. You add Utah. You add Colorado. You have the two Arizona schools. That could be very, very promising. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, I don't know where it all ends up. I think that might be your next step, though, is Pretty much the dissolution of the Pac-12 from from that standpoint, and we could get start to get some answers this week. Mm-hmm. Because if he if if Klevikov doesn't have a package that he's ready to deliver to them, the those university presidents might go, yeah, we're we're moving on here. Yeah, we're out of here. Uh, load management is a problem in the NBA, but not necessarily for the broadcasters. Did you catch the double dip? By uh, ESPN's A-Team yesterday. I did not. Mark Jackson, Jeff Van Gundy, Lisa Salters, Mike Breen did Warriors-Lakers at 3.30. And then did Grizzlies-Clippers at 10. All those Eastern times, right? So they had the uh, Lakers play at Staples Center. Game over. Swap out the, uh, the color schemes, right, for the Clippers. At Staples Center, and they just had the A team do both games. That makes sense. You're there. Well, you might as well, yeah. Yeah. One more thing from college football for me today. 
that the Division One Football Competition Committee, NCAA Rules, Football Rules Committee, uh, are discussing at least three minor proposals. This was reported initially by Sports Illustrated. Because the thing we're talking about with baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Got to move it along. Football, college football is becoming that. It has that problem to it. Four hours. Yeah. Four and a half hours. Four fifteen. Whatever the case may be. They're looking at a running clock after first downs, like the NFL, except for the last two minutes of each half, banning the use of consecutive timeouts by a team, and carrying over a foul to the second or fourth quarter rather than playing an untimed down. But they're also, according to a report from The Athletic, they're watching what the US, what the XFL is doing very closely. That they've been watching to see the impact of, of a winding clock after incompletions by watching the XFL. And so there's some feeling that there may be some things that they take like that from the XFL. They're seeing how it works, and that could be what's up next for college football. Average college football game, three hours and 30 minutes. NFL averages around three hours and 10 minutes. Yeah, I I don't know how much the... Winding the clock after first down shaves, or but carrying, or carrying over the untimed down. Let's do that, absolutely. I'm Why? fine with that. Untimed down at the end of a half, end of the game, overtime, sure. But why do we need to do an untimed down at the end of the first quarter? Exactly, it's carried over the next quarter. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, end of the half makes sense. I saw. Uh, speaking of rule change, real quickly, NFHS on the high school side of it. Uh, the holding penalty is going to go for to the line of scrimmage is where it's going to be marked off. From, ah, as opposed to the spot. the spot. Yes. Those type of penalties are going to be marked off from the original spot, not the spot of the foul. Okay. I like that change, actually. I do, too. Yeah, I do. All right, that's our show for today. Coming up next, it's Jim Rome. Nuggets in Toronto tonight. Pre-game at 6.30 right here on the Team Sports Network. See you back here tomorrow morning at 7. For the Buckeye Boy, I'm Jim. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. And thanks for hanging out with us on the Team Sports Network.